and welcome to the Edu Switchboard podcast. I'm your host, Jana Parker, licensed educational psychologist, wellness and executive function coach, and parent consultant. Visit jplep.com to become a member of my community or to access my assessment or coaching services. Welcome back, everyone. I am here today with Lorette Keene, and she is an, she's an educational therapist, and her business is called Methods for Success. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. So tell me and the listeners a little bit about you and your practice. Okay, I'm an educational therapist and my business is called Methods for Success. And um, educational therapy is something that not a lot of people are familiar with, but it's, um, it's kind of like a highly specialized tutor. Um, it's an organization that certifies people. So you have to meet certain requirements. You have to have a certain level of education and you have to have some ethical guidelines that you follow and it kind of um, is expanded tutoring to also have more of a therapeutic approach as well mm-hmm. and the kids that I work with tend to have learning disabilities or fairly significant learning differences anyway uh, sometimes they're diagnosed and they'll come from someone like you with a full report And other times it's just suspected and someone wants me to work with their child. And then I'll say, oh yeah, you need to go and have that assessment. So you have that documentation. Um, So I specialize in dyslexia. um, And most of the students who work with me have dyslexia and often they have something else, often anxiety, often attentional issues, sometimes emotional issues. So I often have dyslexia. That's kind of my specialty. All right. And a lot of times dyslexia does come along with other things, especially, you know, a lot of comorbid, uh, comorbidity. Absolutely. And even, um, even if there is nothing comorbid, it's, they're all so unique anyway, Mm -hmm. that it really is, uh, yeah, it's a great population to work with. Yeah. And what got you into this field? Oh, uh, well, I, uh, I went to school originally for engineering and uh, worked in tech. And then I stayed home to uh, raise kids. And my youngest child is dyslexic, like really, really dyslexic. Hmm. And we struggled for years to like figure out what the heck was going on. And um finally got her assessed and she got, uh, we put her in at Charles Armstrong school. And then that's when I decided, I had worked with a number of educational therapists and I had said, these people are doing really good work and it's work that is really needed. There's a lot of people who need these services and there's uh, not very many people who know this. You know, I I was just so shocked about the teacher's knowledge of dyslexia, which was pretty non-existent. And I think it still is pretty much today. Yeah. Um, Now this kid of mine is now a college graduate, you know, all is well, but it took a long time and a lot of effort to get there. 
So when she got in at Armstrong School is when I went back and got my special ed masters and uh, started getting all kinds of supplemental training in things like Slingerland re reading and Wilson reading and making math real and uh, really trying to educate myself to all the different tools available to help these kids. Yeah. Did you ever work in a school or did you get? Yes. Okay. So after I graduated with my master's, um, I, I worked at public schools for, uh, I think four years. Okay. And then I, uh, started a private practice. What school district knew, were you working for? Uh, I worked for Berryessa and oh, then yeah. I also worked for Cambrian. Okay. Yeah. And it was really to round out my practice. You know, there was, there's just so many different presentations and I had been really focused in on like dyslexia is how my kid thinks and it really rounded me out. So yeah. that was, but that was right. good, almost 20 years ago. So it's, it's been a long, I've, I've been doing this a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So you had this vision that you were going to work in your own practice, but you went and got some experience in school to get a really good read of lots of different kinds of learners. Yes. And, and I'm sure you got to learn about, you know, a lot about how ed code and everything works in the yes. public school system, which is really good knowledge yeah. to have. Yeah. I kind of knew that for ad advocating for my own kid, but I, it certainly got extended. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I help parents with that. That's like another thing an educational therapist can do. They know a lot about ed codes, not just me, but most educational therapists would, would know this and, uh, and be able to advocate. And, um, you know, what I consider a really important part of what I do is this piece that I call self-advocacy, but it's really, it's really more about self-acceptance and knowing yourself and accepting yourself and um, knowing what works and supporting what doesn't work. And it's a lot of kind of coaching about that. I find that, you know, attitude is everything. And, um, and that kind of stuff is very empowering. And my mindset is always on, we want these kids to be successful adults. We don't want them necessarily to get A's in fourth grade. That might not happen, but the successful adult we can go for. I love that that's your focus. I really, really do. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I feel yeah. that socio-emotional socio piece is just so important. Mm -hmm. and, and so many kids who come, they're pretty broken down about themselves when they start. Right, right. Is it's a, I imagine it's not just about, um, not I imagine, this is my field too. <laughs> it's not just about building the academic skills in kids, but it's about giving them the confidence, the wherewithal to know when they need to ask for help, to know when they need to use a tool, um, you know, um, to self accept and advocate so that they can um, work with what they have and, 
you know, keep growing with that so that they can ultimately become successful adults. Yes, that's right. And, you know, we all have our struggles and how we deal with them is, you know, is really an important thing. And, you know, I've seen young kids do rather amazing things where they're like, so broken down they're like this one little boy would literally throw himself on the floor with frustration and you know with time and encouragement he got to where he could get back up and recover from this huge emotional breakdown like really quickly like what a skill there's a lot of adults who haven't managed that right right and we really celebrate those successes and notice them and this self-acceptance piece of, of this is my weakness and this is what I can do to overcome it. Right. This is what I know I need to do. Mm-hmm. These are the strategies that, you know, that they need. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so do you have a particular age range of students that you, you know, specialize really in working don't. with? I, I've worked with adults. I've worked with I've worked with, any, with with all ages, but I will say that the vast majority of students are usually second grade, couple first graders, but usually second grade, um, lots of later elementary school and uh, middle school, probably mostly second grade to eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I have worked with um, some high schoolers and after high school, high school is a time when there's so much to do and things don't get modified um, as readily that it's not a great time to be learning these remedial skills. Yeah. So I really try and tell parents that we want to get those kids up to speed by high school. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, do you have, since you have all of these tools in your toolkit, Mm -hmm. um, do you kind of pull a tool or a specific program to use with different students who present in different ways? Oh yeah, everything is very, so that's that's the thing. I'm an educational therapist. I have training in many programs, um, probably more than anyone else out there right now. I really have a lot, like too much. Um, and parents often get really hung up on, we need this program. Um, and there's, that's a lot of misinformation out there, especially because everything that falls into the category of structured literacy is all based off of the same research. And they're, they're usually a lot more alike than they are different. Um, every kid presents differently and needs slightly different things. Yeah. So I do pull from lots of different things. And that's probably the hardest part about being on Zoom with students during this shelter in place. Because in my office, especially, you know, a kid is struggling with this one little thing and I can just grab the right thing and boom, right there, right on the spot. It's really great. It's a little more difficult via Zoom. I just have to put it aside for next time and then have it. But um, the, uh, yeah, that's why educational therapists tend to charge more. Um, not only do we have more tools, but we're all, it's, it's a very customized, individualized thing. Yeah. And a lot of educational therapists don't work directly with kids. They hire tutors underneath them. 
I'm a solo practice. I work directly one-on-one. -on -one. I don't hire tutors to work underneath me um, because I really like that relationship. Yeah. And it usually lasts for a couple of years. So it's quite an intimate relationship. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I, you know, I, it, I value it a lot. So that's what I do. Yeah. And about how many times a week do students see you? Does that depend also? Um, it's typically twice a week. It doesn't have to be, but most of these uh, structured literacy interventions are, they're based off of research that is twice a week at a minimum. Yeah. Um, I've had kids come for eight hours a week. Um, it really gets expensive, but I, you know, I've had parents do that. I've had some public schools pay for that. Yeah. Um, typically it's two hours a week, twice a week. Yeah. Do you even have any openings right now? <laughs> no, I, I don't. And I'll tell you, I, I, I almost never have openings and that's just the way it is. Um, almost everyone who comes in comes off of a wait list. Yeah. Sometimes it's quick though. Um, because people tend to get on a lot of different lists. And if, if someone calls me, I'll say that. And I'll say, start, you know, you might find someone available who doesn't have a lot of training. Just start with someone. Right, right. And, and then you can stay on my wait list. And, and you may find that the person you're with is great. Mm -hmm. And you stay there, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, that's probably what most people do. But occasionally, people will be waiting. And I'll tell you, 20 years ago, when I was doing this with my kid, I got on a wait list and I spent a year with someone who wasn't the best, but we were moving forward. Right. Right. And then, and then I got in with the person that I really wanted. And then we went to Charles Armstrong school. So, yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes, um, you know, oftentimes things can't happen right away. Right. I mean, like people oh. in private practice were, you know, someone will, someone called me the other day and was like, oh, great. So can you do this? Like, you know, tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, no, no, I can't. But, but, you know, there are other things you can do in the interim. And right. especially if a young student is having any kind of reading difficulty, there are two things I always rec recommend. Number one, read all the time. And <laughs> number two, find someone to help, you know? So, I mean, I just, I just gave your name out the other day, but I also gave three others. So you're full, <laughs> but, but it was for, you know, a, a, a little girl who doesn't have a diagnosis yet um, and may not ever get one, but you know, it's like, do we do, there are definitely signs and symptoms. Do you need an assessment? Not necessarily. If all yeah, you really no. want is for her to improve on her reading, then start with that intervention. You know, that's right. That's yeah. right. And I'll tell parents the same thing. And I'll say, you know, within a, a little bit of time of me starting to work with that child, I'll very quickly have a very good sense of whether yeah. they need an assessment or not. Right, right, right. And I think because I've walked the parents path, right, I've walked in those shoes. I really do take very seriously this work. And, and I know resources are limited for parents and, and time is limited for these kids. We've really got to get them the right interventions 
as soon as possible. Right. And there are, there are some that uh, are more available. Like, you know, there's a lot of Barton tutors out there and I'll say, if you can get in, get in. And then if it's not the best fit or your child needs something stronger, you know, then when I have an opening, you can switch over. Yeah. And then I do, you know, a lot of it has to do with the match and personality also. And that's one of the main reasons, you know, what you're saying right now is one of the, is the reason I am doing this work here, right? You know, on the right. first night of Hanukkah, my family is right. waiting for me to light candles. And right. I'm like, wait, I have an interview, you know, because because oh. it's important <laughs> to me. I, I didn't realize that it was the first night of Hanukkah. I'm Jewish, but not that Jewish, you know, so I didn't right. realize when I scheduled. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, um, this helps me refer families. Um, Cause it's not just like, oh, you need a reading specialist. You needed someone who works with dyslexia. You need a Barton tutor. You need a Wilson tutor. You need someone who your kid is going to jive with, who they're yeah. going to want to work with and yeah. who can, who can support in reading. And then there are the, you know, then you can start to be nitpicky. Right. But yes, you could just kind of have to get it going. And by being able to like understand what it is that different people in the community do and to just put it out for parents to like, think like, Oh yeah, I, you know what? I saw a video or heard a podcast and that, you know, person seems like they'd be a really good match for my kid. Like we have to be more kind of accessible and visible. Um, yes. So that people can find us, you know? Yes. And as a parent, I struggled to find someone way back when. I don't think it's changed so much. And yeah. there is a real shortage of people. But I do think that the peop- that when you find someone who's doing it, like you and I, there's a lot of passion about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's... And, and I'll tell you for one thing, I truly believe these kids can be successful. And I truly believe that as a society, we really want these kids to be successful. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of passion there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I love how you um, say you have too many things because you keep just learning more and more. I feel exactly the same way I like have my laptop in the bathroom with me while I'm like getting ready in the morning playing some kind of like webinar or (laughs) podcast my boyfriend laughs at me you know he's like oh god you know he comes in I'm like oh sorry I'll turn that off (laughs) but we are we're very passionate about our work and there's never enough learning I feel like I can do and um and I just love it you know, I just, well, things keep changing, you know, it's, it's a field that's evolving. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can go to a new conference, you know, every year and find something new that you don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. I and love that about really, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just like we were talking about just even the assessment of dyslexia and how um, our assessment tools have improved, you know, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and I, I really love kind of looking at, you know, uh, and it's not always clean, you know, like it's not always a clean profile. No. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> not always but it's clean. very interesting to see, you know, like the dynamics of how students, um, you know, processing is working and, um, or 
like I like to describe, like taking back roads, like are they taking super highways or are they taking back roads? You know, how is the information getting processed? Is it a quick and efficient or is it slow and laborious, you know? Right. And yeah. what can we do for success given those limitations? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you, you know, when it, we'll wrap up in a second, but um, one more question, and then I want to have people know how to find you, but do you have any tips for parents, like, especially as we're in distance learning, we're doing distance working, you know? Um, oh, you mean coping with the current, current situation? Could be coping, yeah, coping in the current situation, kind of with your lens. Um, well, I think the number one thing right now for people is to focus on, again, the, the emotional development. I think stress is at this very high level. I think there's a lot of exhaustion going on with kids. Um, I think for parents having the attitude of this too shall pass and it will, right? It will pass. And um, focusing more on getting some exercise and being calm and positive is kind of priceless. And mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do, but I think that that's what kids need from their parents is that rock who's gonna be there. And, and I think that a lot of people are very worried about like the curriculum that goes on in fourth grade or fifth grade. And I really feel like we can make up for that. We really can. Yeah. Um, I think the, the social emotional development that is constantly happening with children is more of a loss than the academics. The academics can get picked up. Yeah. That's just I, how I feel. Well, you're not alone. Um, I think that's the number one answer that I've heard from people who well, come on my no. podcast. <laughs> And it's okay. also the number one answer that I've heard when I listen to other podcasts, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, definitely uh, topping the list right now. Yeah. Well, kids, they just can't learn when they're stressed out. They really can't. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and that's what we're seeing a lot of. Right. So um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I know that you have a wait list, um, so people can't get in to see you directly, but if people want to get on your wait list, yes. how might one contact you? Uh, the easiest way for me is email, but you can also call. Um, my, uh, my website has a lot of information, uh, and that would be methodsforsuccess.com. Um, hold the line once we hang up. Well, once I stop recording, but it was really, really wonderful um, talking to you and thank you for sharing everything. And I look forward to working with you more in the future. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Edu Switchboard podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast player. 
And if you have any questions or comments or want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at Jana at jplep.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, I'm here to help.